Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you're here today. And I believe that God's word will, yes, build you up strong in the faith to do what he has called you to do and to be the person that he has called you to be. Praise God. Now, when I was preparing for today's message and I was seeking the Lord concerning a scripture for your prosperity, your financial well-being, because we're going to receive the tithes and the offerings, the Lord gave me an unusual statement. I thought it was a very beautiful statement. And I want to uh, read that to you. And this is something that the Lord wants to do for you. Praise the Lord. The Lord said that he is going to establish holiness in your finances and that he is going to remove the holes that are in your finances. Praise God. Let me say that again. The Lord said that he is going to establish holiness in your finances and he is going to remove the holes in your finances. Praise God. And he gave me as a scripture, Haggai chapter one, verse five. Let's take a look at it. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. Now watch this. And he who earns wages earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Praise the Lord. My friends, maybe you're not carrying your money around in the bag, but nevertheless, it seems like there would be a hole in your finances. And I believe for many of you that you, you actually earn a good income, but yet at the end of the month, there is still so much going out that although you have a healthy income coming in, it's almost like you've got holes in your finances. And I believe the Lord wants to do something that will help fix it. Praise God, because he has shown me that this is his intent for you. Praise the Lord. Now, let's stop the leakage. Praise the Lord. Let's Let's stop the holes in your finances. I believe one of the primary reasons many of God's people, his own people in the church, have in a sense like holes in their finances, despite a good income, is because there's debt and payments are having to be made on all of these various debts. And I believe the Lord wants to remove the burden of debt out of your life. Now we see in the book of Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom, chapter 22, verse 7, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. While it is certainly not a sin to borrow and it's not a sin to have debt, it is, however, a more preferable position to be in a place where you don't have any debt at all. I mean, if you had unlimited financial resources, would you ever go out and borrow any type of money for anything? Well, no, not if you had, uh, if you already had the money, you wouldn't do that. 
Praise God. The Lord's going to help you to get out of a position of being in financial debt. So much of borrowing is connected to the world's system. And very simply is that if you borrow money or you, you know, you're going to make a purchase and you're going to finance it. Basically, there is a contract that's drawn up and you have to sign it. And when you sign your name on that contract, whether it's to purchase a vehicle or whether it's to, uh, you know, finance something on a smaller level, you are basically giving your word that you are in agreement to make full the payment that you are financing. Praise the Lord. Yes, you're going to make the monthly payments, but you're agreeing that you're going to pay off the entire thing. So there is a contract that's drawn up. However, if you pay in full up front, then my friends, there's no contract, there's no signing, and there's no agreement with the lender that perhaps could be someone that you really even in the first place, wouldn't want to get involved with. Maybe maybe the, the lending institution is not an institution that you perhaps share the same beliefs with. But you know what? If you just pay for the whole thing up front, you can still do a transaction, but you don't have to do a contract because you're not going into debt. That's one of the great blessings of being free from debt. You know, if you go into a, a restaurant to order a pizza and you want to take the pizza to go, well, if you pay for the pizza, you know, right there, $15 or whatever it is, you walk out, you've got your pizza and they've got their money. It was a great transaction. Both parties are happy, but you know what? It's great because there's no contract involved. We're not financing a pizza. We don't have to, uh, you know, sign our, uh, you know, next three years away so that we can finance a pizza. No, it's done and over with and everything's uh, working well between you and uh, the various business entities that are out there that you're doing transactions with because there's really not some kind of a covenant relationship where, you know, uh, you know, where you're in, you're in league with them because you're, you've signed and now you owe them and this goes on and on and on. No, you're free. Praise the Lord. And that's the way, my friends, God wants you to be. I really do see the Lord helping you come out of debt. And I, I, I want to say that again. I see him helping you come out of all financial debt. And he's going to do this not by you somehow turning into a Scrooge, uh, you know, where you begin to shut down and you begin to guard every penny and every little dime. And, and then, then you go into a, re a reverse mode uh, of covetousness, which is something God never wants you to be. He wants you to have a, a liberal heart. He wants you to uh, operate in the principles of seed time and harvest and of course tithing, but he's going to help you. And you're going to see this unfold through two primary means. Number one, the Holy Spirit is going to release power for you to get out of debt. Now, what I'm about to tell you, I want you to meditate on because it's very powerful. In order for the Holy Spirit to help you get out of debt, you have to realize that he's able to bless you beyond your job. Oh, well, Pastor Stephen, uh, if I'm going to get out of debt and I'm going to set money aside and I'm going to save and I'm going to pay off, you know, all these expenses I've accrued. And, you know, if I'm going to do that on paper, it's going to take me 30 years to do that. Uh, 
You know, that could be quite discouraging. But you know what? You have a supernatural, miracle-working God. And I'm here to tell you that, yes, God can work and bless through your job. But you have to know also that God can bless you just beyond your normal means of income. So you have to see God supernaturally helping you to get out of debt beyond just what you could do by putting some money on that and paying that down and paying that down. He's going to help you, and it is going to be supernatural. So please be open to that. Use your faith to believe that God's able to bless you beyond just a one-dimensional method or one way only. Praise God. And number two, the Holy Spirit is going to help you by enabling you to operate in the Spirit of wisdom. And you're going to begin to make right choices with your money. And when you have those times of, I would call them perhaps miracle moments, when something extraordinary happens, this time you're going to know what to do with it. Praise God. You're going to know how to appropriate the money the right way. Woo! Praise the Lord. And I see the Holy Spirit bringing you out of debt. Praise God. The first thing that you need to do to cooperate with this work of the Holy Spirit is you need to know numerically how much debt you actually have. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I, I don't want to look at that. No, you need to look at that. This is how you get holiness in your finances. This is how we remove the holes from being in your financial pocket. Glory to God. You need to find out exactly how much debt you have. List every credit card. Know exactly how much each one is. List any uh, vehicle or vehicle uh, notes that you would have. If you have uh, student loans or if you have a home mortgage or whatever it is, big debt, small debt, add it all up so that you know exactly how much debt you have. Praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen, then what should I do? You should use your faith to believe God, to get all of that debt paid off. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And if it helps you, as we have previously been talking about taking our five smooth stones, and you keep those in a little shepherd's nook or shepherd's back. Look, I've got mine here. I've been praying over the five things that I'm believing God to do. But if it would be your case and you are wanting to see God remove the debt out of your life, which would be a very wise thing to do, then you need to take a, a stone and you need to write debt freedom on it. Praise the Lord. Turn the stone over and on the other side of the stone, write down how much debt you have. Praise the Lord. And then you can pray to God and ask God to help you through the wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit to receive the debt removed out of the, out of your life to see all of these the, like holes in your finances healed and sealed for the glory of God. Praise God. Mm -mm. Imagine how much money you would have if you did not have to be paying on debt all the time. Uh, this debt payment, that debt payment, that debt payment, and all of these debts going out this way and that way. But those things paid off and then walking in the light of the spirit of wisdom so that now you're on stable ground and you steer away from uh, any type of future form of debt. Woo, praise the Lord. My friends, God's going to take many of you into unchartered territory, the territory 
of freedom from debt. Get ready. The Holy Spirit is going to take you into it. Praise God. Glory to God. I believe this can be a miracle year for you. And I want you to believe that this is the year that holiness is established in your finances and holes are removed from your finances. Praise God. Yes, pray into it and take that stone and speak over that stone and speak to debt and say, debt, I smite you in the name of Jesus. And I command you to be uprooted out of my life and to be thrown into the sea. I call all of my debts paid off in the name of Jesus. Attack, attack, attack in the spirit of faith in the spirit of wisdom and watch how God will come in and do miracles for you for his glory so that you can be free because now you'll be able to give more to the kingdom. Now you'll be able to put some in savings. Now you'll be able to also have a better quality of life. I mean, your, your life's going to get better completely all around by getting this thing out of your life called debt. Praise the Lord. Now, there can also be times when the Holy Spirit touches your heart to sow seed. And by all means, do that because we want to work the principles of seed time and harvest. And at this moment, let's first of all honor the Lord by bringing the tithe into the storehouse of God. Because as we honor God with the tithe, then He will honor our financial blessings. He will, he will bless us. Praise God. Because the tithe belongs to Him. And as we work spiritual principles that are timeless and eternal... Oh, hallelujah. It brings God great delight to step into our situation and to rescue and deliver and bless. So right now, let's bring the tithe and the offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. If you would like to mail them in, please send your tithes and offerings to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28655. If you would like to bring them in online, you can do so right now, anytime, day or night, from any place in the world. Please go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage that says give, and it has a red heart on it. You can click on that and bring the tithes and offerings safe and secure here into the storehouse of God, and we'll use it to continue to preach the gospel around the world. And there's also things that we need to do here at the ministry. We need to resurface the ministry parking lot. Praise God. That's going to cost about $40,000. But you know what? That's a small thing in the eyes of the Lord. That's why you need to be blessed. Praise the Lord and have freedom so that you can have that extra to sow. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So perhaps that's something that you would like to sow into today. If you would like to do that, then just make a special note on your giving and say parking lot resurface because we're going to resurface the entire parking lot. The one that's out there right now, it's got a lot of cracks in it. It's got some big open spots. There were used to be some trees. We took the trees down, but those are open areas that are not paved. And uh, because it has not been resurfaced, probably, uh, oh, I, I'd say maybe 30 or 35 years long before we owned it, it really needs to um, to be redone. So that's going to cost right around $40,000. If you would like to sow into that, praise God. Let's just get that project knocked out swiftly and quickly here at the forefront of the year. So as you're bringing your tithes in and you want to sow special seed, as you sow that seed for the parking lot resurface, just make a note that that's what that special offering is for. And I would also say use that seed 
as an expectation for the harvest that you want. Perhaps it's complete freedom from debt. Glory to God. And now some of you, you may think, well, Pastor Stephen, I've already sown uh, towards debt freedom. Well, keep sowing. Praise God. Sow again. Glory to the Lord. There are certain projects or in certain things I've wanted God to do in my life. I've sowed multiple times and multiple times. You also understand that you're exercising faith and you're exercising generosity and you're going to get strong in that. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I don't ever consider myself to be a finished sower. No, I'm going to keep sowing seed. Until I take my last breath, praise God, on this planet, hallelujah, glory to God, because I love sowing seed. And I'll, I'll be honest, it's one of my favorite things in the world to give the tithe to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, those that are honoring you with the tithe and those that are sowing the special seed so that we can get the parking lot resurfaced. Father, I pray that you do miracles in their life, and I pray that this year that you establish holiness in their finances, and any holes, that you would seal the holes immediately, and that you would bring them out of debt, and that they would not have to be sending money in all these different directions, but those debts will be paid off, and then Father God, we thank you for the strong income they have, even increasing. And we thank you for new realms of prosperity that your people are walking into. Now, Father, let there be wisdom, anointing, and power of your spirit released upon the seeds they're sowing for a great harvest now in Jesus' name. Amen. Say, I receive. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Now, let's take our Bibles today and go to a book in the Bible that's very easy to find. And it would be the book of Revelation. If you're new in the faith, it is the last book in your Bible. We're going to begin today in the chapter uh, number four, Revelation chapter four. And I would like for you to meet me today in verse two. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into the scriptures, into your holy, precious word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come with the spirit of wisdom to be all over this service and that your spirit would touch the hearts and the minds and the understanding of your people. We thank you, Father, for an impartation during the release of this message of your word. In Jesus' name, we pray and say, Amen. Praise God. Today we're talking about the golden menorah and the spirit of wisdom. Now, we see in Revelation chapter 4, verse 2, the writing of the Apostle John. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, the throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Remember that the devil is only an imitator, he's a copycat. And so he has seen the authentic because he was Lucifer who was dismissed abruptly and thrown out of heaven. So things that he does in the earth with his agenda, he endeavors to copycat and then tries to rebrand it and put his identity on it. And so you now see the rainbow as a symbol of a movement 
of impurity and perversion. But that rainbow originally was in heaven first. Praise God. Amen. And when it's all said and done, every lie, every form of corruption that would try to pollute the original pure thing will be shown just for what it is, as false, as impure, and as ungodly. Praise God. Now, verse 4, around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. Now, John sees them sitting, but you have to understand they don't sit, you know, there always, all the time. There are times when they get up and they walk into the heavenly city and, you know, they talk to people and they do, they do things like that. So uh, anytime you go somewhere or see something, remember you're only getting one picture of it. Uh, I've had visions of heaven before. The Lord has taken me there in visions, but you have to remember heaven is enormous. It's like going to New York City and saying, I saw New York. Well, uh, you can only see a little bit in a brief period of time. And even if you spend all day there, it's just too big. You, you can't encompass all of it in a brief moment. Well, heaven is way beyond uh, the size of New York. And so you have to understand that we get tidbits into what the prophets share. Praise God. Now, verse 5, and from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices, seven lamps of fire. Please say that. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Praise the Lord. Now, we know that in Judaism, and of course also in the Old Testament scriptures, that the seven spirits of God, or the seven lamps, was seen in the tabernacle of Moses as the golden lampstand, known to many people as the menorah. And while there are seven branches on the menorah, each a representation or each a beautiful attribute of the Holy Spirit, we're going to discuss one of them today. Praise the Lord. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. When you consider the golden lampstand or the menorah, which would have been in the holy place, and remember there was a temple in heaven, still is, and what Moses built was a blueprint, a replica of what was revealed to him and actually what he saw in the heavenly realm. Praise God. The menorah, many people think, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. But it's actually a symbol of Jesus, because menorah gives light, and Jesus is the light of the world. Okay, on the other side, you have the table of showbread. Jesus is the bread of life. That's also a, a symbol of Jesus. And then you would have the altar of incense, which in its basic symbolic meaning would be the prayer life of Christ. Now, he wants his prayer life to become our prayer life, he wants us to eat of him, the bread of life. And as we go back to, to the menorah and we see Christ, the light of the world, you also, you do see the attributes and the symbolism of the Spirit of God as well tied in. Because the menorah with its 
center shaft and the other three branches coming up on each side. They have these cups. They're called lamps, but the lamp is, you know, you, you have to have some kind of fuel for a lamp. So there's a cup on top of each one. And the cups are all full of golden olive oil. And there would be a wick inside each cup. The wicks would be lit and the, the oil would burn. And it is actually the flame of the menorah that is the representation of the Holy Spirit. So the menorah itself is a symbol of Christ. But as we see these seven flames, whoo, praise the Lord, these seven lamps, those are symbolic of the seven spirits of God. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let us now move over to Revelation chapter 5, just one chapter over. Thank you, Jesus. Revelation chapter 5, verse 6. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Woo, praise the Lord. Now, seven horns. Horns represent power and strength. I submit to you today that because we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, particularly the spirit of wisdom, I submit to you very carefully that a new level of strength and power represented by the horns is going to begin to function in your life. Get ready for it. Praise God. Seven horns. Ooh, and seven eyes. The eyes represent the ability to see and to record what it is that the spirit of God is beholding throughout the earth. Now, let me present this to you as well, as there will be a new strength ushered into your life by the Holy Spirit through the spirit of wisdom, there will also be a new ability to see. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, maybe I should just be a little bit candid with some of you that when this anointing hits you, some of you are going to stop and go, what in the world have I been doing? Was I sitting in a room of darkness? Woo! Praise the Lord. Trust me, I know what that's like. <laughs> Uh, when that anointing touches your mind, when that anointing touches your spirit, uh, yes, I, I've actually stopped and thought, Lord, was I living in the Stone Ages? What was I thinking? Praise God. Why? Because wisdom, the wisdom of God is on a level uh, that's unparalleled with any type of worldly wisdom. And it will affect your behavior. It will affect your actions. <sighs> Praise God. Get ready for it because you're going to begin to see. And a new level, a new, a new horn, a new strength, a new eye, a new ability to see like God sees. Praise God. Mm -mm. Seven horns and seven eyes, which are what? The seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Well, Pastor Stephen, I thought the Holy Spirit was the third person of the deity and he's, he's just one spirit. He is. He is the third person of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, because He's so awesome, because He is God, and there's one God, but 
three in one, yes, a mystery. But the Holy Spirit is so magnificent that there are, in an effort to express His, His beauty and power, there are given seven attributes to help us to relate to His beauty and greatness. Praise God. We're going to look at one of them today. Praise the Lord. Now, let's move over to a, a verse in the Old Testament that I've always found very intriguing. This will be in Second Chronicles chapter 16. Second Chronicles chapter 16. Verse 9, thank you, Lord Jesus. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on your behalf. Woo, praise God. Pastor Stephen, it's going to take me 50 years to get out of debt. No, 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 not with the Holy Spirit coming on the scene of your life. No way. You're coming out quick, brother. Sister, you're coming out, says the Lord. Mm -mm. God can do a quick work in your life. Do not limit the Spirit's power. Woo, praise the Lord. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. To show himself strong on behalf of those who heart, whose heart is loyal to him. The eyes of the Lord are a reference here to the Holy Spirit. And you're going to start to see from a perspective of the eyes of the Lord. One of the eyes that you're going to look through. There's seven eyes. One of the eyes that you're going to begin to look through is the spirit of wisdom. And it will, it will alter the way that you see things and do things. Praise God. Now, these seven attributes are listed for us in the book of Isaiah, chapter 11. And we're going to take a look at it now. Isaiah, chapter 11. They're found primarily in verses 2 and 3. Let us begin in verse 1. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now, as we go into the seven spirits of the Lord, you have to, you have to understand that all seven of them were resting on Christ. All seven of them were in full manifestation in the ministry of Jesus. This is messianic in a sense where it's a prophecy about the coming Messiah, the branch coming up from Jesse, the Davidic line, the kingly line coming out of Judah. Praise the Lord. But we also know now in hindsight that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah that this is referring to. Praise God. Verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Now, the Spirit of the Lord would be represented by the center branch of the menorah. That is the Spirit of the Lord, the center branch. But you have three other branches on each side of the center. And notice that they are paired together. 
That's very, very important. They're bundled, you could say. They're paired together. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit in that sense for resting on Christ was to anoint him to function in his assignment. And the primary anointing, the center shaft of the Spirit of God in your life is to function in the calling of what he has assigned you to do. Now, for Jesus, what would that have been? Primarily to preach the gospel. He was anointed to preach the gospel. And let me tell you something. He was a preacher unlike any other. He could preach and he could teach why. He was anointed to do it. And I have heard the so-called world's greatest speakers in the worldly sense, speaking in, uh, you know, seminars or conferences, and maybe they're experts in their field. But how many of you know, compared to an anointed preacher, they can't touch it. Why? The anointing is on preaching in an amazing way, and it captivates even those in the world, and a preacher, a Holy Spirit anointed preacher, has something that the world can never touch. And God has chosen through the preaching of the gospel to be the platform that he wins the lost. Woo! Praise God. No circus tricks needed. Praise God. Anointed Holy Spirit preaching. I tell you what, it can reach the hardest hearts. Praise the Lord. And that anointing, which was for Christ's assignment to preach the gospel, also comes upon you to do what he has called you to do. So maybe you are in the secular arena. Maybe you're not, uh, you know, in full-time ministry or something like that, but you're in your arena. And that anointing, the center shaft, touches you to function with an unction, to function with something from heaven where you are distinguished and different from the others who have no access into that grace. Mm -mm. And I'll tell you one thing, it will absolutely create a mark of distinction in your life. Mm -mm. Praise God. The Spirit of the Lord shall, uh, shall rest upon him. My friends, you need the Holy Spirit. I'm not just talking about, you know, of course, with salvation. He comes with salvation. When you receive Christ into your heart, he comes and lives in your life. But I'm not just talking about a little half cup of blessing or a little thimble full of oil. I'm talking about the overflow where he's on you. He's on you. And maybe people can't identify it or, or you know, uh, tie into what that is. Or, but, but they know it's something. They know there's something going on there. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. And it, it, will, it will find you. That, that when that anointing's on you, uh, uh, people will find that they'll find you, praise the Lord, in the most unusual places and in the most unusual times. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom. Now, the Spirit of wisdom is very closely associated with understanding. And then, of course, you have the spirit of counsel tied in very closely with the spirit of might. And then you have the spirit of knowledge, which is very much linked to the fear, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. But today, because of time constraints, we want to primarily focus on the spirit of wisdom. 
first of all, to understand the Holy Spirit anointing you and manifesting through you with wisdom, with that, with that spirit, with that flow. We need to understand what wisdom actually is. The Hebrew word for wisdom is chokma, and it means to act wisely. It means to live life skillfully. Mm, I like that. Praise God. As we look more carefully at wisdom and dig further into its meaning, because it's hard to pin it down because it's so beautiful. We also see that along with acting wisely, living life skillfully, that wisdom is the ability to make good decisions consistently. Mm-mm. Praise God. I have to say this, that I, I, of course, would never want to go to hell because uh, burning in fire and being eaten by worms continually and being tortured and tormented and all of the agonies of hell, I would never want to go to hell. And I wouldn't want to ever be separated from God. But I have to admit, I also wouldn't want to go to hell because I wouldn't want to be around all the stupid people. I wouldn't want to be around fools who curse God and, and just foolish people that do stupid things. And hell's going to be full of them. And already is. And, you know, more added on a daily basis. But I want to walk with the wise. He who wins souls is wise. And the fear of the Lord it's the beginning of wisdom. Praise God. I don't want to go to hell because I don't want to be around the fools. Uh, uh, sure, I wouldn't want the other stuff, but I, I just don't want to be around the fools either. Whoo, glory to God. There's no foolishness in heaven. Mm-mm. We will be made like Christ fully in his, into his image. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> glory to God. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. So, my friends, wisdom. As we jump back to wisdom is the ability to make wise decisions. And when the spirit of wisdom touches you, stupid leaves the room. Woo, praise God. I'm telling you, this can alter your life from being a person perhaps that you were laughed at because of previously the way that you lived your life and blunders and mistakes you made to where the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom touches you. And I'm telling you, it could turn you into a genius. In your field, it can literally turn you into a genius. Praise God. Hallelujah. We must dig deeper. Wisdom, the ability to make right decisions consistently over and over again. Wisdom is also the ability to discern the difference between good and evil. It's the ability to discern difference. Number one, the difference between good and evil. And Solomon, he received the touch from God of wisdom. And overnight, he was changed. And he had it. He didn't have it before. He, 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 he was now, uh, he was a good guy. He was sharp, but he got something from the glory realm. And I tell you what, it was, it was evidenced before the entire nation because very shortly after he received that touch, he was presented with the case that would have been difficult for anybody to judge. But he rendered a decision that literally left 
people speechless. The wisdom that was demonstrated of how he dealt with those two women and who was the true mother, uh, it, it was just incredible. Uh, incredible wisdom evidenced before all of the people, and it was an accurate judgment. And that, that wisdom basically, basically revealed who was lying, who was not. And it revealed the difference between what's good and what's evil. Oh, it was incredible. So wisdom is the ability to discern difference between good and evil, between what God calls right and what he calls wrong. And if God calls it wrong, you can never change it and make it right. Well, we're going to change some laws. You can change those, but you can't change God's law. Mm-mm. And you, you will remove yourself from wisdom. And you go off in the darkness if you tamper with God's word. Praise God. Wisdom, the ability to discern difference between good and evil, between right and wrong. The ability to discern difference in people. In people. I've told the story before where my wife and I, we were in a school of ministry. We were being raised up in prophetic ministry. And they would ask those in the school of ministry to help out uh, in the service to, to, to assist in whatever way was needed. And so we would do that. My wife and I were asked to usher uh, one evening. And it was, a, it was a busy service. It was an important service. There were probably about 4,000 people in the meeting. And uh, there were some special things going on that night in the service. Well, as my wife and I were ushering towards uh, the back area of the sanctuary as people would come in and would take their seats, uh, we noticed that a great man of God had come in unannounced, and he took the very last seat in this huge sanctuary. He sat literally in the back, and he didn't announce himself, didn't say hi to anybody. He went and sat down, and he sat there very quietly, and he just looked he looked straight ahead. And my wife and I went over to him and said, uh, uh, Pastor so-and-so, we're so glad you're here. We didn't know that you would be here tonight. He said, well, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to be here. I said, we're so glad you're here. Would you please just stay here just for a moment? And we went immediately to the front. And we spoke with one of the associate pastors, one of the who is also an elder there at the church. And we, we told him, now this this. This particular associate pastor was um, its kind of like a, well, he was rough around the edges. Uh, yes, he was called. Yes, he was anointed. But he, uh, he didn't really have a lot of wisdom. He loved the Lord, but he was just, he was rough. And I said, I said to him, I said, Pastor so-and-so, I said, we just noticed that uh, Pastor so-and-so has just come in and he's sitting in the back. Now, remember, the, the guy sitting in the back has, he has a global ministry. I won't say his name. If I said his name, you would know who he was. He didn't just have like, kind of like a national identity. He had a global identity in the body of Christ. And he's sitting back there in the back. And we said, he's back there in the back. And that pastor said, ah, that's good. Just let him sit there. He can sit there just like everybody else. And he walked off. And my wife and I thought, that's, that's not right. That's out, that's out of order. That's not right. We went to another pastor who outranked the other one. Uh, not the senior pastor, but right under the senior pastor. And this associate pastor went on to have his own church. He has, still has his own church today. Very anointed, uh, very charismatic. We went up to him and said, Pastor so-and-so, brother so-and-so, Pastor so-and-so just came into the sanctuary sitting in the back. And that pastor, who was also an elder, he looked at me. He said, he is? We said, yeah, he's sitting back there in the back right now. He said, he's, he's actually here. 
He, he actually, yeah, he just, he said the Lord brought him here. He said, go get him right now. We'll put him on the front row. This is God. And we did. We went and grabbed him, brought him to the front. They seated him there. And as the service got going, guess, guess who had the prophetic word of the Lord that night for the whole assembly? It was him. And that, that word was broadcast all over the nation. Mm -mm. Praise God. What is wisdom? The ability to discern difference. Look, you don't put Billy Graham over at the soup kitchen passing out bowls of soup. Well, why not, Pastor Stephen? He needs to be humble because he, he can fill stadiums with the anointing that God has put on his life. Now, I'm giving him as an example. He's in heaven now. His, his ministry is finished. But you don't take a man like that and have him serve bowls of soup. That, that's, 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 that's somebody that has no wisdom that would try to plug somebody in to do something like that. Why? Anybody can serve bowls of soup. Anybody. You can get an eight-year-old kid. Hey, here, pass the soup out. This is how you do it. Pass out the soup. You, you don't even really need uh, any kind of a specialty for that. So you have to learn that wisdom, the spirit of wisdom, gives you ability to discern difference in people. Did not the apostles say in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, that it's not fitting for us to leave the word, the ministry of the word and prayer so that we can go over here and serve beans to the, uh, you know, to the widows. God bless the widows. Now, Pastor Stephen, Peter and them apostles, they need to be humble and go serve beans. No, that. Uh, look, look, these are these are men that were that were with Christ. These are the these are the part of the twelve. Uh, these are the apostles of the Lamb. Don't have the, let somebody else serve the beans. They need to be teaching the word. They need to be in prayer. Why can't you see they're different? They're different. Difference in people. Spirit of wisdom will help you to see that. And if you don't have that, you're never going to have favor. Because favor comes through good understanding. Whew, praise God. And you can't have that without wisdom. May the oil in the lamp, in the cup of the spirit of wisdom, always be full and burning in your life. Praise God. And then you'll have the most unusual favor. You'll have favor. You'll have favor. Yes, you will. And you'll have open doors. Always. Yes, you will. Why? Spirit of wisdom. Praise God. Hallelujah. The difference in people. The ability to discern difference in countenance. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And of course, when you understand wisdom as the ability to discern difference, then you're going to start making wise decisions and those wise decisions begin to loop back into more of this understanding of kingdom protocol. And you, it, it starts, it starts to click. It starts to click. Whoo. Glory to God. The spirit of wisdom resting upon you, the same spirit that rested on Christ resting on you will help you to maximize the time that God has given you. Let me say this. You'll never see a homeless man sitting on the street 
looking for food or wanting a handout. You'll never see them look at their watch and say, hurry up. I've got somewhere to go. Why? They don't have anywhere to go. Time just passes by. One hour merges into the next. One day merges into the next. It's just another week. It's just another month. You're just going along and you're just living. But for the wealthy, for the elite wealthy, time is very, very important. Well, Pastor Stephen, let's go out and have a long extended lunch and just, you know, just shoot the breeze. Look, I don't have a t- I don't have time for a two hour lunch. You know, well, Pastor Stephen, that the waitress, she'll get over here eventually. Well, we, we, somebody needs to flag her down because I've got to get back to work. We, I don't have three hours for a lunch break. I can't be doing that. Oh, Pastor Stephen, you you have your own business. You know, you're 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 not like it's you're, you got to be back. No, no, I've got things to do. Hallelujah. I'm busy. Praise God. I can't I just can't sit around and uh, now there is a time for leisure and so forth, but not when I'm supposed to be working. Whoo. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Time becomes very, very valuable to you and the way that you utilize it as the spirit of wisdom begins to touch and burn hotly in your life. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we give you praise today. Thank you, Lord. Mm-mm. You know, years back, I had a situation where I was in a room with some other ministers, and this was actually because of a, a recording for television. And there was an older uh, guest minister there, along with myself. He was older than me, and although there were many ministers in the room, he and I kind of connected, and we struck up a conversation, found that we had some certain things in common, and he enjoyed hearing about my ministry. I enjoyed hearing about his. It was the first time we met in person. And to my surprise, I found out that he uh, grew up as a young man in Taiwan. And he, he liked me because I've ministered, you know, frequently in, in Taiwan. And so we, we had a really good conversation. And, but I sensed that he had something for me, like, like a gift from the Lord in the sense of a prayer. And I asked him, I said, would you pray for me? He said, yes. He said, I'd be happy to, Stephen. And he, he prayed for me and touched me and said, Lord, let him come into a new realm of wisdom. Let wisdom flow in to him. And you know what? I'll be honest that when he prayed that, that surprised me. I thought maybe it would be some type of other prayer that he had for me. Because sometimes we can get in certain directions, you know, the anointing. And you get in other areas of, Lord, I, I like more of this. Glory. And, you know, we get excited about certain things. But let me tell you, when he prayed that prayer for me, something got lit. Like the wick of my candle got lit. And uh, I began to have an appetite, a spiritual appetite burn on the inside of me for wisdom, the wisdom of God. And I began to come into it by God's grace through that prayer, through that impartation. Praise God. Amen. I think it's interesting. I, I remember reading the story of Dr. Brian Bailey, a beautiful prophet of the Lord, a great ministry. Now, he has finished his course. He's in heaven. But he talked about the time that he and his wife went to Los Angeles, and they went to visit Catherine Kuhlman. Uh, she was staying in L.A. There, there because she was going to be doing a large 
you know, healing uh, conference there at the Shrine Auditorium. So she had invited Dr. Bailey and his wife to go to her hotel room. So uh, he went to the hotel room and he and his wife to visit her. And he also brought with him a man from Singapore who was the archbishop of the Anglican Church there in Singapore. So those three are in the hotel room with Catherine Kuhlman. And they talked and they had good fellowship. And of course, she was going to be ministering the next day in that large healing crusade. But they had a wonderful time the day before there in the hotel room. And Dr. Bailey said that before he left, Catherine Kuhlman said, I'd like to pray for you. And he said, yes, of course. And she prayed for the uh, for the Anglican bishop first, and she just touched him, and he fell out in the spirit. Now, Dr. Bailey had said that previously, for several years, he had been just crying out to God to be touched with the spirit of wisdom. Lord, I want the spirit of wisdom. Let the spirit of wisdom come upon my life. Well, here he is talking to Catherine Kuhlman. She's about to pray for him. And really, her identity was that of healing anointing. When you think Catherine Kuhlman, you think, you think the gifts of the Spirit in the area of divine healing. Well, she touched him. Dr. Bailey said that when she touched me, he said that she said one word, wisdom. And boom, he fell out in the Spirit. He fell out on the floor. And then sometime later when he was able to compose himself and get back up, she touched him again and he fell out again. Praise God. But I tell you, he said he got it. He said wisdom, the spirit of wisdom, that oil rushed into him and began to burn in a way that had never had before. Praise the Lord. We know that through the laying on of hands, there can be impartation even for the spirit of wisdom. Praise God. We see it in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 34, verse 9. I believe with great faith that you're going to be touched in a way where you receive the spirit of wisdom. I believe there's impartation flowing right now. Verse 9. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full, not half, not a little dab will do you. No, full of the spirit of wisdom. Now let me say this. It is absolutely essential for leadership. Moses had it. It was all over him, the leader of the Israelite nation. But now, Joshua being on the scene, it's, it's something that you, you, you have to have it in order to lead effectively. Praise God. And the larger your degree of influence and leadership, the greater anointing that you need of the spirit of wisdom. Now, Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So it can be imparted through the laying on of hands. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Praise God. Now, one time I was in prayer in, in a room. I'm trying to remember what room of the house it was right now. Um, I'm trying to remember if it was like the a guest room or the bedroom. Uh, but I, I remember I was on my knees. I was praying. And I was having such a good time in prayer that suddenly I went over in the spirit. And I went into a trance. And I couldn't, I couldn't even recall 
where I was at after that. I couldn't tell if I was in a room or if I was, uh, I just knew physically, whatever was going on physically, I was gone. I was in a different realm. And I, I was taken to heaven, and I was introduced to one of the redeemed saints. And uh, the saint I was introduced to this time was a great man of God known in church history as Joseph of Cupertino. And I met him. I had some wonderful experiences. He actually showed me some, some of the areas of the first heaven. We traveled through areas of the first heaven. But then he took me to a special place that was higher up. And he took me to a, uh, a different area where there was like a, a uh, there were still people there, but not as many, of course, as you would see in the first heaven layer. But this was a beautiful area. It was kind of like a, like a stone area that you could walk on. It was very beautiful. And, and he introduced me to one of the 24 elders. And when I met one of, one of the elders and I was able to, uh, you know, have a, a few moments with him. He said to me that I had, the elder said to me that I had not been sleeping good and I had not something had disrupted my, my, my natural sleep cycle and I wasn't getting enough sleep. And of course, when you don't get enough sleep, you, it, you it's just it, life is, you don't have that punch. You don't have that energy. Well, he ministered to me with, he had a scepter and the scepter had on the top of it, or it looked like a ruby that was alive, and it was it was it was large, and it was a beautiful shape. And he took that scepter and he stuck it into my chest. It like plunged the head, the ruby part, right into my chest, and heat began to emanate and go all through all through me. And I knew that from then on I was going to sleep well, and I did, and still do today. But something else was going on that I didn't quite catch on at the moment. And he was smiling. That elder was smiling when he was holding it because he just held it in there. And that heat and that redness, something was going on. And I, I didn't understand it till later when I was talking with an apostolic friend of mine, a true apostle of God from Singapore. And I shared that, that event with him. And he said, oh, he said, Brother Stephen, don't you, don't you know what that was? He, he said, yes, there was healing. But he said, he said to me, he said, uh, you were receiving an impartation, a direct impartation of the spirit of wisdom, that attribute, that anointing of the spirit, the spirit of wisdom, the ruby represents the spirit of wisdom. And it was going into you. I said, that's, that's it. That's exactly what that was because I came out of that experience. It is like I was seeing, I was seeing things differently with the level of wisdom that had, had notched it up. To a, a, a greater intensity, praise God. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. And my friends, that eye of, the, of God, the spirit of wisdom, you're going to begin to see through it. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Get ready to receive. Get ready to receive. Praise God. Glory to God. Now, we must understand that the spirit of wisdom can be it can be identified through certain qualities. Praise God. And I want to share it with you of how you could track it. Let me say this. You need to start slowing all of your decisions down. Start slowing down all of your decisions to the speed of accuracy. Well, Pastor Stephen, how do I gauge that accuracy? It's very easy. 
It's illuminated for us in the Scriptures. In James chapter 3, verse 17. And let us go there now. Praise God. James chapter 3, verse 17. Praise the Lord. And this is how you can gauge that accuracy of your decision making. The spirit of wisdom riding on you. Sharp. Mm. And you gauge it. You gauge it accuracy through the anointed word of God. Verse, uh, verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above. Let me begin by saying there is a wisdom that is in this realm that is from below. I highly encourage you and exhort you to steer away from it. Because as we see in verse 15, that type of wisdom does not uh, descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. It comes up from the demonic realm, and it is a, it's an earthly wisdom. There is a way that seems right unto man, but it leads to death. Stay away from it. Stay away from it. Always walk in the light of God's Word. Always honor God, His Word, and the things of God. And you're going to walk in the blessing. And you're walking in the wisdom that is from above. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's pure. It touches the motives of your heart of why you do what you do. That wisdom of God, the spirit of wisdom, it's pure. It would never, ever ask you to compromise biblical, moral, ethical principles. Ever. Now, we need you to go along with the company here because we're going to need you to lie because we've got a lot riding on this. We're going to need you to go before the judge and agree with us and lie. You can't do that. You can't do that. You need to do the right thing. You need to do the right thing. Praise God. The spirit of wisdom is, first of all, pure. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Then, peaceable. Let me say this with peace. If you're endeavoring to engage a certain transaction, maybe you want to buy something, and there's, there's no favor, and the person's being rough to you and not being nice to you, look, walk away. Because if there's no peace there, and there's an absence of favor, the Holy Spirit is not in the transaction. Well, I really want it anyhow. Well, go somewhere else and get it. Where they treat you right, and where there's peace, and where you're favored. Not where you're just, you know, tolerated or disliked. or No, look for the favor. Look for the peace. There's the wisdom of God in it. And if there's no favor, everything's all tore up, and there's, then something of God's wisdom is missing. So don't engage in that transaction. Praise God. Lord, we give you praise today. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, gentle. Like the banana. A banana can bruise real easy. It's soft. You don't want to drop it. You don't want to throw it around. It's gentle. And you need to have that quality in your life. Uh, don't rough people up. Be, you know what? We all learn by growth and grace. It's not like... You know, you can expect everybody to know everything, uh, including ourselves. So you want to be gentle with people and help them along. 
uh, when they make a mistake or when something's not perhaps the way it should be, be gentle. Treat them the way that you would like to be treated. Praise God. Willing to yield. That's very important. Praise the Lord. Willing to yield. Some days you need to get there quickly and you need to merge right in. Other days, everything's going good. You're running early. Somebody needs to merge. Oh, well, you're both merging at the same time. Let them go. Maybe they need it. Maybe they need a break. Be willing to yield. Praise God. We can all help each other out. Be willing to yield. Full of mercy. The wisdom of God is full of mercy. You have to understand that the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies was not simply one piece of sacred furniture. It's actually in the eyes of God and mentioned in the Torah as being two separate pieces of furniture. Yes, there is the Ark itself made of acacia wood overlaid with beautiful pure gold. And you had the tablets of stone on the inside. You had a bowl of manna and you had Aaron's rod that budded. But the mercy seat, the lid that went over it and enclosed those things was actually considered in the eyes of God its own separate piece of furniture. There are two pieces, the ark and the mercy seat that sits on top. So you could say that the crowning attribute of God, the very thing that God displays on top, would be His mercy. It could be His crowning grace. It could be His greatest attribute. Now, we know that God is love. But I would, I would say this. If you're ever in a place, and you're not really sure whether to render judgment or mercy, I would say, if you're going to err, err on the side of mercy. It is one of the most beautiful things about the Lord, and that would be His mercy. The wisdom that is from above is full of mercy. May that be in your life. You know you're walking in wisdom when that's really flowing. Pro praise God. And good fruits without partiality. You want to treat all people fairly. You want, to, you want to be kind to everybody, rich, poor, no matter what differences there are. You still want to show kindness to all, praise God, without partiality. And, very importantly, the wisdom of God is without hypocrisy. And that is something that we always strive towards. Hallelujah. Not just to present the message, but to actually be the message. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. May the wisdom of God be evidenced through you that when others see your lives, they see demonstrations of the wisdom because you're not a hypocrite. Mm -mm. Praise God. Glory to God. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you praise. The menorah, the golden lampstand, 
in the tabernacle that was built by Moses, it had to be lit in the morning and then lit in the afternoon. There were two daily sacrifices. You had the morning sacrifice. You had the afternoon evenings, more of an evening sacrifice. So you had two every day. But early in the morning, because the menorah, the golden lampstand, had burned all night long, early in the morning, usually just before dawn, that menorah, the oil, would be burned out. And so the priest that would come in on the morning shift, who were selected by lot, the first thing, one of the first things they would do is they would clean the golden lampstand and they would take out any ashes from the burned up wick, any residues or remainder of the uh, maybe last few drops of the old oil, and they would wipe it all clean. They would put fresh wicks into each of the seven cups. They would fill each cup with fresh oil and it would be relit and thus it would burn in a sense continually all the time. My friends, the branch that represents the spirit of wisdom, you must be careful to always have fresh oil in that cup. Praise God. Wisdom it's not just for old men with gray hair that are 99 years old. Wisdom is something that all of God's children need to be walking in. Praise the Lord. And this wisdom of God, the spirit of wisdom resting on you, is essential in your decision making in the days and in the hours in which we live. So make sure that that flow of oil is full and rich in your life. You must value and appreciate the Holy Spirit in these beautiful attributes that He has. And as you worship God and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that oil of wisdom will touch your life in some of the most remarkable ways where you truly stand back and say, that idea, that thought, that impetus to do that thing originated truly from God by the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for you right now. Father, we thank you for the impartation of the Holy Spirit with the, spirit, with the attribute of wisdom flowing to your people now. Father, we know that hands were laid on Joshua. Father, in some ways, Hands were laid on me. In other ways, it was a heavenly impartation. So, Father, I just ask right now, through the lens of this camera, please lift your hands. Father, that there would be a release of the impartation of wisdom. Get ready. Now, in the name of Jesus, that that wick would be lit by the Spirit, and that that cup, that branch of the, of the menorah would begin to uh, burn, that beautiful, brilliant oil of wisdom. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. May this be tended to on a daily basis. We thank you, Father, for the supernatural ability to get it right on our decisions. We praise you that, yes, so often we are walking by faith, and there may not be a clear-cut 
this or that knowing. But as we apply these principles of faith and principles of wisdom with the flowing of that oil, we thank you that you will continually take us in the right direction and you will keep us on the safe path in Christ. Oh God, we give you praise. We give you praise. We thank you. We thank you that oil is burning right now. Father, we give you praise. Mm, you can smell the smell of fresh oil. Praise God. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, say, I receive. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, if you're watching today's message and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the greatest decision you will ever make is where you will spend eternity. If you sit back and do nothing, then that decision is one that you have already chosen, which is to spend an eternity away from God. And that is in the region, in the realm of the damned, those who are lost in their sins. My friends, you can choose today to receive eternal life by receiving Christ into your heart. If you would like to do that and step out of spiritual death in the spiritual life, pray this prayer from your heart right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner, but you died on the cross to save sinners like me. Jesus, I turn and repent of my sins. I ask you, come into my heart, save me now. Wash me with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. Jesus, I give my heart to you. And I ask that from this day forward, you would lead me and guide me in all that I do. Jesus, thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Woo! If you prayed that prayer, shout hallelujah. Welcome to the family of God. Praise the Lord. Now, all of us as a church family, let's take Holy Communion together. I invite you to grab some unleavened bread and grab some grape juice and let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We pray over it. We set it apart right now as being holy. We consecrate it to you as being holy. This is now the body and the blood of Jesus, our Savior. Father, as we receive the body of Christ, we thank you that we receive his wisdom we value it. We treasure it. We thank you for the guidelines of purity and of peace, of gentleness, of being able to yield mercy, good fruits, uh, doing things without partiality, and doing things that are genuine without being hypocritical. We thank you, O God. We thank you, O God, for the body of Christ. We receive his wisdom, heavy flow of that oil. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. You know, the menorah, the golden lampstand was made of solid, hammered out gold. The menorah that's in Jerusalem, Israel today, that has been remade, and they have plans to use it in the rebuilding of the next temple that they have plans to build, which... Unfortunately, they don't know it. That's the temple that the Antichrist is going to come into. But it's going to get rebuilt. 
They all already have some of these items recreated. And the menorah that's actually there in Jerusalem behind a very thick glass encase, encasement has over one million U.S. dollars worth of gold in it. But, of course, that's, that's still nothing compared to the original because the original was all gold. Praise the Lord. Amen. We can learn a lot as we study these Old Testament types and shadows that symbolized the realities that we now enjoy through Christ Jesus, our Savior. Now, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that he shed for us. And as we receive it, we ask that you would forgive us of all of our sins. We confess them and we ask that you wash them away. Father, if anybody has sinned against us, we forgive them. And on we go with a happy heart. Father, we ask that you would lead us away from temptation. We ask that you would deliver us from the evil one. We thank you that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom flowing. Father, we receive Christ's blood now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, my friends. Thank you for watching today. Walk in the wisdom of the Lord. And also, if the Holy Spirit has placed upon your heart to sow a special offering, a financial seed, into the resurfacing of the ministry parking lot, that would be a great blessing. Thank you for doing that. Praise God. This is going to be a special breakthrough year for you. Walk in that wisdom and watch how high the Lord will take you in His blessings. Thank you again. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.